verse 8, and I'll read on through verse 13. And uh, as we talked about last week, you know, the interesting thing is God talked about a good work. Uh, when he talks about the office of the pastor, the man desireth the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Uh, the amazing thing is, as he talks about a man uh, who has uh, been asked to fill the position of a deacon, uh, he uh, purchases to himself a good degree. And so it's interesting, there's a good work and a good degree. And so I want you to look with me, if you will, at verse 8, and we'll begin reading there, and we'll read on through verse 13. Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of faith in a pure conscience, and let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so, must their wives be grave, not slander, saber, sober, uh, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and a great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. So what we find is that the Lord has qualifications for the servants of the church just as he had qualifications for the pastor by the way, the word deacon means servant, and so what you've got to understand is that that's uh, what it is about. Now, there is the office of a deacon, and I believe these are so needful in the local church, and I got to thinking, it takes me back to even to the Old Testament, and when I began to think about the need that Moses had for people to come up alongside him and help him, uh, how Joshua needed men to come up alongside him and help him. And uh, I want you to uh, turn to Exodus 17, if you would, with me. Turn to Exodus 17 with me, if you will. Now Moses needed Aaron and Hur to uphold his arms in battle, so then, then this is the role of the deacon in their assistance to the pastor. And I began to think about this a little bit in Exodus 17, 10 through 12. Now, after you get there, I want you to look up, and I want to share a couple of thoughts with you before we even go through this, because I'm going to tie this together for you. I want you to know that pastoring a local church and a local church ministry, uh, there is a battle going on. There's a spiritual battle going on, something you can't even observe at times that's going on, and we're unaware of it. And, uh, but there are principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And listen, there's nothing more than the devil wants to tear down a local church. He'll try to get after the pastor and his family, and he'll try to go after the deacons and their families. And I just want you to know that to step into the position of a deacon is honorable. And, uh, but I want you to also know that it does not come without its difficulties, without its troubles, and the devil's always on the attack. But a pastor needs deacons, and the importance of the deacons are there to help hold what's taking place. God gives the pastor to the local church to lead that local church, and the deacons are there to help support that pastor with the vision that God has given him for that work. And so the deacon's responsibilities, we'll outline those in just a moment, and we'll begin to look at these. But I want you to look at this for just a moment. There's a battle going on here, and so in Exodus 17, 10, so Joshua did as Moses had said unto him. Everybody with me? Say amen. <laughs> and so Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. 
And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. I want to tell you, yesterday, or Thursday, uh, Friday, Saturday, when Chris and Jim came over and uh, I had mentioned to these men the need that we had to fix these sidewalks out here, it's a battle sometimes to get things done. But you know, I watched them work and I watched them do what needed to be done. And Brother Mike was out there and how many of you know Brother Mike has diabetes? And he's struggling with that. And he was out there and he was working. And I began to think about all I asked of these men was to do this job. And I can tell you my hands felt heavy because I knew it was not something I could get done. But when I was out there on Friday and Saturday, it felt like my hands were up praising the Lord. And these guys were on each side of me holding them up. <laughs> There's a battle going on, folks. And listen, the devil doesn't want our church to look nice. <laughs> he wants things to be in a shamble. He wants things to look bad. And yet God wants to use this church to build this work here in this community to win these people to Christ. And when a man's asked to serve in this capacity, the Bible says that he obtains a virtuous step or a virtuous standing. And God showed the value of servants in the assembly of God to help in time of battle, to stay the arms of God's appointed leader. You know, I am grateful that I have men who pray with me. I'm grateful that they spend time in prayer and pray for my family, and, and I'm grateful for that. And I want to tell you, it is a battle. <laughs> you know, uh, we, we have people come and we have people visit the church, and, and I go out and I visit with them, and we knock doors, and we're trying to win souls to Christ. It's a battle. It's a battle. And the devil does not want people to come to Christ. I was just thinking about Ben playing tonight. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? And, and the thing of it is, is that it's a battle. It's a battle. And, and listen, uh, the devil doesn't want us to be on the winning side, but guess what? We are. We're already on the victor side, are we not? And the, and the wonderful thing about it is, is that I have two wonderful men right now that are a blessing to me and to my household. I'm so grateful for the uh, deacons that we have. But I want to share this with you. I don't believe there's not a man in a local church that shouldn't qualify to be a pastor or a deacon. I don't believe there's not a man that shouldn't qualify. Now, they don't, but there should not be not one man in a local church that should not qualify. Everybody should. Everybody doesn't, but everybody should. Now, as I think about this, are you leading a life, and I'm specifically talking to the young fellows right now and David and uh, praying about Ben and Connor and Joseph and, you know, Kyle. I mean, I'm just asking, are you leading a life that when the time comes, God could choose you out among the men that are sitting in an auditorium and say, I want to use you in that capacity and you qualify? It's a wonderful thought, isn't it? And then you could look in the mirror and say, yes. Lord, I want, to, I want to serve you in that capacity, and they qualify. <laughs> now, what is that all about? Well, all men should qualify for the position of a deacon, but choices in life can hinder them from being selected to serve in this office. And what is one of the things that hinders? Well, they need to be the husband of one wife. Guess what the pastor needs to be? The husband of one wife. And by the way, it doesn't mean one wife at a time. <laughs> 
as some would have you to believe. It means one wife. Amen? The one I started with is the one I end with unless God takes her to heaven and then I'm freed from that. I can marry again and I'm still okay. I'm still qualified. But the fact is, is that I want these young men to know to qualify, it takes some character, doesn't it? It takes living a godly life. It takes living a biblical life. So to step into this virtuous position of a deacon, it requires you to be pure. The other thing is, is that you need to be proved, and not just proved by man, but proved by the word of God. Amen. And whenever you look at it, you need to be bold in faith. And so we're going to look at these steps. And I want to tell you, when I go out door knocking, Chris and Jim go with me. They knock on doors with me. And, and, they, and they're bold in the faith. And, and listen, as a deacon in a local church, you ought to be willing to go knock on some doors. You ought to be willing to share the gospel with other people. You ought to be willing to take a track out of your pocket and hand it to someone. And you ought to be able to share the gospel with them. And before I go into this, I'm reminded of something. And I just want to remind the church of this. We had a gentleman here one morning, and I had asked Chris to go into my office with me to meet with him. His name was Sturwald, is the last name. When I went into my office, and we began to pray with this man, and we uh, shared the gospel with him, the thing that he said is, hey, Chris, I've watched your life, and I don't live like that. He watched you, Chris. You heard exactly what he said, didn't you? He watched what Chris did. He watched how Chris lived. I want you to understand that your life matters. How you live in your community, how you behave, how you act, the things you say, the things you do, where you go, what you involve yourself in, and baby, what you paste on, paste on Facebook, you, I want to tell you, it sticks. So be careful, especially in this electronic age, amen? And I just want you to be mindful that yeah, I would like to say that I want Ben and David and Connor and all the young men that come to this church to qualify one day, amen? If not for pastor, but at least a deacon in a local church if they're serving in some other capacity, amen? And whether they're a farmer or whether they're an accountant or whether they're a CEO of a corporation, they ought to qualify to be a deacon in a local church, amen? doesn't matter what, you're, uh, what you do for a living, it matters what you're doing in your life, how are you living your life? A man who is pure, as you will notice, the qualifications of a deacon are practically a duplication of the pastor. It's no different. And, and what God says is that there's some qualifications that have to be met to be able to put men in this position. I want to take you back because I want you to see something. And, and there's something really key about this for me. And I know, uh, you know, folks go to this and we talk about this, but I want you to see in Acts chapter 6. Turn there with me, if you will. I want you to look at this man who is pure. What does it mean to be a pure individual? What does it mean to be pure in conscience? And what does it mean to be this type of person? And really what this is about is being a co-laborer with the pastor, helping him with the things that are happening in the local church. Verse 1 says, And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and of wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. I want you to 
understand this is where we get the roles and responsibilities of the deacons. And it says, brother, look ye out among you seven men of, first of all, an honest report. <laughs> an honest report. Full of the Holy Ghost. That means that God's controlling their life and they're not trying to push their personal agenda or their personal position. <laughs> they're full of the Holy Ghost. And then it says, and wisdom. And I believe that's godly wisdom, not just any wisdom, because if they're full of the Holy Ghost, they're going to be full of what God desires, not what they desire. <laughs> they're going to be full of what God wants them to do, not what they want to do. And you begin to look at this, and he says, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. I want you to know what Chris and Jim have been doing is freeing me up so I can spend more time in the scriptures. I can spend more time praying for this local body of believers so I can spend more time studying the word of God. Do you want a pastor that's coming to the pulpit ill-prepared or prepared to bring forth the word of God? <laughs> you want somebody that's going to come up and share the gospel with you. You want somebody that's going to be reaching out to people. You want somebody that's spent some time in the scriptures and is going to teach you the truth of the word of God. Thank God for these two men because they're freeing up your pastor so he has the ability to do that. You know, you ought to pray for these men and their wives. <laughs> and, and listen, to be a, a deacon is not an easy thing to do uh, because there's a lot of pressure there. And the thing is, is that the church as a whole ought to pray for these men. But you know what we also ought to be praying for? God, would you raise up a, a Ben, a, a Connor, a, a David? Uh, are you with me? Start praying for Kyle and for the other men in this church that they qualify that they would qualify to fall into a position that one day when God reaches out again and there are seven men out there among you that God wants to call, that you could be one of them that he could call because you're living a life that's according to the gospel. You're living a life that would cause people to look to you and see this. Verse 5, and then uh, the, the saying pleased the whole multitude and they chose Stephen. Now, why did they choose Stephen? I want you to look why Stephen was chosen. Not because Stephen had a degree from some big college. Not because Stephen uh, had more money than the rest of the men in the church had. Not because Stephen was the CEO of some corporation. It says, and they chose Stephen a man full of what? Faith. A man full of faith. And of the Holy Ghost. Not just faithful, but they could see something in him. Now, I want to ask you something. Can you see the Holy Ghost in me? Amen. You can't physically see it, but you see outward actions, don't you? Amen. And what you're looking for when you're calling out among men is, do you see the Holy Ghost working in their life? <laughs> do you see something happening? I can't see the wind blowing, but I can sure see the trees moving as a result of the wind blowing. Amen. And I can't see, physically see the Holy Ghost, but I sure can see the work of the Holy Ghost in a man's life when he's doing what he's called to do. Amen? And you can see it. And you know that they're following God. You know God's doing something in their life. And you're watching God bore it out in their life. And so, Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And then it says, and Philip and Prochorus uh, and Nicanor and Timon and Perminus and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And so what happened? Whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. It doesn't mean they laid their hands on them. <laughs> it means they laid their hands on them. Amen. 
And watch. Watch what happens when godly people get involved in God's work. I want you to see what happens in verse 7. And the word of God did what? It increased. And then watch. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Things began to change, didn't they? And what happens is, is that they free up the man of God to be able to study the word of God, to be able to be praying and doing those things that are necessary to help the church advance spiritually. And they themselves have to be even uh, strong in their faith because they are not only called to do that, they're called to hold the arms of that guy up. And thank God you've got two men that are willing to do that right now. Now, as I look to the scriptures the word deacon is used throughout the New Testament of anyone who serves, but in the official sense, it signifies a man that occupies that office of the deacon. And without going over all the same details, there are a few areas that are put forth for the deacons to pay close attention to in their lives. First of all, it says they ought to be grave. They ought to be honorable. They ought to be worthy of respect. And I want to tell you something. There ought to be respect for the deacons of the local church and for their families. And you look to their lives, and they ought to be worthy of that respect. They ought to be worthy of it. But you ought to look to them and say, hey, you know, guys, what are your thoughts? And not that it's an embattlement between the pastor and the deacons. The deacons are there to help the pastor get the work done. <laughs> but they're there to help and to work together. Now, the Bible says they're not to be double-tongued, uh, not to be hypocritical or spreading different stories among the congregation or insincere. They're not to be an insincere person. They're to be a very sincere person. Sincere people don't look at how they can talk behind other people's backs. They look at how they can support people. Thank God you've got two men that are willing to do that. And I looked to the scriptures and he said, holding the mystery of faith in possession of a secret of conviction with a clean perception is the idea behind that. The type of life and the lifestyle this man leads is crucial to the ministry. One who's pure in conscience is the type of man found in Acts 5. A man full of faith in the Holy Ghost. And when you think of pure, you think not only clean on the exterior, I think about clean on the interior. Because <laughs> I want you to know God speaks just as much, if not more, about what's going on inside of you than he does just about what's happening externally. It's not just in what he can see on the outside. It's about what's happening on the inside. And when Jesus would come up to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and it says he knew their thoughts. He knew what they were thinking. And so God knows not only outwardly, but what you're doing inwardly as a person. One who's full of the Holy Ghost would be a man filled with thoughts that are good, not wrongdoing. A man of the Holy Ghost would be thinking about how to advance God's work, how to do those things that would support the pastor. How, how would that happen? Listen, they're working together in unison. Listen, in the unity of the faith is what they're doing. There, there is a camaraderie there. There's a working together. It's not that it's us and him or us and them. It's us working together for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> when you think of a pure person that way, one who's full of the Holy Ghost, would not be a man filled with thoughts of wrongdoing, but thoughts of faith, having a conviction about the truth of the Word of God. That word conscience is important, just like the work of the Holy Ghost is something that's not seen, but it can be observed in the life of that individual. And you know, folks, I want to tell you something. How a man thinks is how he acts. You put a man under pressure and you'll find out how he really thinks. 
You start putting a man under pressure, you'll begin to see what's really going on inside of his mind sometimes. And what happens is, is that when he talks about this, how a man thinks, so goes his heart. <laughs> how a man uh, thinks will bring forth outward actions. It'll display some things on the outward after a while because who he is on the inside will eventually manifest itself on the outside. A man who is full of the Holy Ghost, what will it start to manifest then? The Holy Spirit, won't it? People will start to see the Holy Spirit in their life. They'll, they'll start to see that because that's what starts coming out of it. Holding faith in a pure conscience will produce outward actions because the inward man is controlled by the Spirit of the Lord. And when a man leads a life that is pure in conscience, he's leading a life that God could choose them out among the congregation to serve in the capacity of a deacon. And young men, I want to tell you something. You ought to think about keeping your life pure. Keep yourself pure. What does that mean? Well, you need to be the husband of one wife. Finding a wife is not like going to a used car lot and taking them for a drive for a while. It's that I've chosen one out among them, and I have chosen them, and I'm going to court that person, and I'm going to find out who they are. And what's happening today is we believe in dating. So dating means you just date as many different as you possibly can. And when you find the one you like after you've kicked the tires on so many, then maybe this one might work out. And then, of course, I'll walk them down the aisle. And, of course, if that doesn't work out, then we'll just let that one go and we'll go ahead and get another one. <laughs> and that's what the world teaches, isn't it? But I want you to know, to really qualify as a deacon, you need to be the husband of one wife. <laughs> And the fact is, as a man who has a conscience toward God would do just that. God requires this man to be examined biblically. Verses 10 through 12, he says this, And let these also first be proved. You ought to underline that in your Bible in verse 10. He said, Let these men also be proved. So God requires this man to be examined biblically, a man who is proved. A man that is proved is one that is examined and approved of God. And, and, and when this man is examined, he's examined in light of Scripture truth. Well, do, they, do they hold up to the Scriptures? Do, does their life and their lifestyle hold up to the Scriptures? Would it hold up? And I got to thinking about some things, you know. Uh, how many of you really have gone back? And you know, when, when, when Paul was in the book of Corinthians, you, you realized that he was rebuking those people. About 90% of those books are about rebuke. <laughs> about what they were doing wrong, not what they were doing right. In fact, they were even doing the Lord's Supper wrong. And by the way, where we get the uh, portion of that, we got that from Paul because these people weren't holding the Lord's Supper properly. They weren't doing it the right way, and God had to correct them. <laughs> and before that, what was happening is there were people that were trying to uh, exceed uh, God's authority in the local church. And so he brought this up, and this is God's exam on a man. In 1 Corinthians eleven nineteen, For there must also be heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. God said this, even before we do uh, the Lord's Supper, he said, Hey, listen, there has to be problems among you because there's going to be men out there that want to qualify for this position, and they're trying to sneak up on the glass of water and get people to go ahead and approve them for this. But I want you to know God's going to examine them, and he's going to show whether they're approved or not because what's really in their life, God's going to bring it to light. He's going to show who they really are as an individual, as a person. And he said, for there must also be heresies among you that they which are approved, in other words, those that God approves of, may be made manifest. They'll be brought to light. They'll come to the surface among you. 
When you go to pick out deacons, you're waiting to see if God approves of them. Not just whether men think they ought to do it, but that God thinks so. Then there's a personal examination. 2 Corinthians 13.5 said, examine yourselves. How many of you know that passage? You know, the Bible never really tells us to examine other people in that way, but he tells us to examine ourselves. When he says examine yourselves, he makes this statement, whether ye be in the faith, he said, prove your own selves. In other words, test yourselves. Where are you in relationship to your faith with the Lord Jesus Christ? And he does say this, Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. And what does a man have to be to be a deacon? He needs to be a man who is full of the holy what? Ghost. <laughs> so a man who's not saved can't be a deacon, can he? Do you know how many churches I know where men are sitting in the church and they're the deacon in a local church and I asked them if you were to die today, do you know for sure if you'd go to heaven? And they're clueless. How do they fill that role then as a deacon? Can't be done, can it? So young men, I tell you, first of all, make sure that you're saved. And every man should be willing to do this examination to qualify for this servant leader position. One who is proved is an examination in relationship to the presence of Christ in their life. One who is proved leads back to that pure lifestyle. One that is proved is demonstrating the presence of Christ in their life. One that is proved shows that the Holy Ghost is present in their life by how they behave, how their actions are. And the position of a deacon also has the requirements for his wife. And this is what lets us know that the Bible says that the office of a deacon is not for women, it's for men. Because women cannot be the husband of one wife. <laughs> Doesn't happen that way. And I know there are religions out there that teach differently, but you can't make that fit in the scriptures. You have to force that to fit. <laughs> and so when we look to the scriptures, the men are the ones that are to be the deacons and not the women. And the unique thing about the deacons' wives, they also are given qualifications. The Bible said that they ought to be grave, honorable, worthy of respect. By the way, it says that these women ought not be slanderers, false accusers. And when it says false accusers, it says false accusers with Satan is what that means. Because who is the accuser of the brethren? Satan himself. So when a woman is slanderous, when she's a gossip, when she's running around talking about other people, by the way, that disqualifies her husband to be a deacon. That's why it's so important that the wives are aware of their responsibility. Just like the pastor's wife needs to be responsible, so do the wives of the deacons. And it's important that they understand this. And listen, this person is a wicked person who is a slanderous person, and they equate themselves with the devil. And they're accusing the brother. And according to Revelation 12, 10, they not need be doing that because that is the accuser of the brother. And what's he doing? He's doing it night and day. He's going before God saying, did you see what they did? 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 Can you imagine that taking place? Because he said he's doing it how often? Night and what? Day. He's running before God. God, did you see that? Did you see that? Did you see that? Did you see? I can almost see it happening. So God says, let me tell you a qualification for one of the deacon's wives is that they not be slanderous. The Bible says they need to be sober. That doesn't mean anything about drinking whiskey. It means that they need to be sound in mind. They need to have some self-control. 
And when the Bible talks about that, it's moderate in opinion and passion. They need to be discreet and temperate in their spirit. And so that's a qualification for the man to be a deacon. (laughs) Do you understand the impact that you have? And fellas, this is why you pray about who you're going to marry. This is why you ask God, is this the one that I ought to marry? Because I want to tell you, you get down the road a little ways and God wants to use you in the ministry and your wife disqualifies you, it can be very disheartening. Because God now called you to something and you can't qualify. And it will become very disheartening. Faithful in all things. The Bible talks about this man, that he needs to be trustworthy in all ways. This faithfulness applies to their marriage, their children, and the spirit of their home. And I want to tell you, to be a deacon, you don't need a wandering eye. You need to have a set of uh, blinders on. And when you look to your wife, that's who you see. You're not looking left and right to see what else is out there. you got blinders on, and you're faithful to your wife. You're faithful to the Lord, you're faithful to your wife, you're faithful to your children and raising them in the way that they should go. And listen to uh, this thought here, the word things, and he says faithful in all things. This word things is in reference to the manner or the means at which you do something. By the way, God established marriage and God established the home. And part of proving a man is his home and his family as well. And part of that is, as fellas, we have to raise our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Part of that is that we need to do our best to do those things. Now, does it mean that our children always do right? No. Last time I looked in the Bible, for all of sin have come short of the glory of God. Amen? Last time I looked in the Scriptures, kids sin. <laughs> And when people tell me that as a pastor, my kids should be perfect, you're a fool if you believe that. There's no way my kids could be perfect. They're sinners saved by grace just like your kids are, amen? And if you expect mine to be a perfect, let me turn around and say, I want yours to be the same way. And the thing of it is, is that they're not perfect, but that man's going to do what he needs to do to correct the situation. Amen? Amen. He's going to do what's right, And that is a qualification for the deacon. Every man's home should be ruled not as a dictator, but a spiritual leader. And I mean that by every man in here, not just the deacons, not just the pastor. Every man in this auditorium should be at the place where he's leading his family spiritually. He's leading his family spiritually. Listen, uh, to this day, my children and I still get together and we read the Bible and we pray together and we do those things together. When my children are gone, I still have the responsibility for my wife. And so Chris and Jim, even when the kids are gone from the house, you need to be reading the Bible to your wives. You need to be studying the Bible with your wives. Fellas, you need to be doing the same thing. There's not a man in here that shouldn't be doing that with their wife. And you say, well, we don't have the kids at home anymore. That doesn't mean you stop studying it together. You need to get together and read the Bible. You need to get together and talk about the Word of God. Let the deacons be the husband of one wife. And that's why only men can be the deacons. <laughs> Leading a life that God could choose you out among the congregation that serve in this capacity requires you to help those of your own household 
to live according to the Word of God. Help them. My kids do wrong. I'm not going to stand up here and lie to you. Yeah, I've had to spank my kids. I've had to discipline my children. I have had to restrict my children. I have had to do things to cause my children to be even to the point of being angry and upset with their dad, but I knew what was right. And the fact is, is I thank God for today that I did the correction then and not going to the jail cell to find out later. Amen? Amen. It takes a lot of work to do that. So you say, instead of pointing out everything that uh, maybe the deacon's children are doing or not doing and everything the pastor's children are doing or not doing, how about get on your knees and start praying for them? Because I want to guarantee you this man standing at the pulpit is going to do what it takes to keep his kids in line. And I have two deacons that I know that are trying to do the same. And the fact is, is, fellas, be careful who you decide to marry. Because once you've made that decision, it's final. No matter what man tells you. That's the decision that you've made. And once you've made that decision, that woman can do things to cause you to become disqualified. So make sure... She's not just, she's so pretty. (laughs) Make sure she's God's choice for you. I'd I'd bathe it in prayer and find out if this is what God wants. God requires this man to be confident in the Lord. A man who's bold in faith. Verse 13. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness, you ought to underline that in your Bible, and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. When a man lives according to the Scriptures, he will purchase or acquire a good degree, a beautiful or a virtuous grade. I remember when I would come home from school (laughs) and I had A's on my report card, I would run in the house and say, Daddy, look! (laughs) I got A's! When I got an F, man, I didn't even want to show him. I remember we moved from uh, Uniontown, Pennsylvania. We moved out toward Calumet City, Illinois, and we had transitioned a number of times that year. And it was my seventh grade year that we did this. And, and we were in Illinois. And generally, I did okay in school. I was an A-B student. And uh, when I got out there, I found out I was a DF student. And, uh, and it was just all these moves and all this stuff. So I made all these excuses. But I remember I came home. And so what I decided to do is I can sign my dad's name almost just like him. Don't ever do that, especially if, if your dad was my dad, because he had a he had a uh, way to deal with things. <laughs> it's called uh, a paddle, and uh, man, he knew how to use that thing. And so when I went home, I didn't have a good grade, so I didn't want to show him. So I decided I'm going to sign his name. And by the way, my parents said I was the best kid that went through the house. And I thought, whoo, if I was that good, I wonder how bad the other ones were. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you can ask my dad when he comes. You can ask him. He'll tell you. He was the best kid that ever went through the house. I'm thinking he can't remember 90% of the stuff I did maybe, you know. But the thing of it is, is that when I had a bad grade, I didn't want to take it. But man, when a, when a deacon's doing right, when he's going that right direction, when he's looking to that office and being bold in that faith, he purchased to himself, he obtains a good degree, a good grade. It's a wonderful thought, isn't it? 
This is telling us that living according to the word of God will help a man demonstrate a life to others that shows a life of character, godly character. And your life is to be used of God to show others that walking with the Lord is of great value, and it is. In Ephesians 5.15, it tells us to walk circumspectly, doesn't it? When you, when you think about it, it says, uh, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And he said, redeeming the time. Because the days are evil, are they not? When I look to deacons, I'm looking for men who are walking circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise men. <laughs> thinking about what we're doing. Thinking about how you go about things. Living a life that would be worthy of others looking at. And your life is used of God and you're walking and it shows great value. And if a man then will purchase a good degree, he will live a life that shows others that living for the Lord is worthwhile. And so, fellows, when you live that way, Chris, Brother Sirwald saw that in you, didn't he? And he said, well, that would be worthwhile. I'm not living that way, but that would be worthwhile. They could see it in your life. And you young men that are in here, you have a responsibility as saved men to live a life that others can see. I think of young Caleb watching Ben's life. And then Caleb comes and gets saved, amen? And he's watching Ben. And even though you think nobody's watching you, they are. And they're watching your life. Did that not hit you right between the eyes when that man said that? And you thought, good night. I, I didn't, I, you didn't know that, did you? He had no idea the guy's watching him that way. What the fact is, is who's watching you, Jim? What man in this church is watching you? And Ben and Connor and Joe and Kyle and David, who's watching you? I mean, Kyle, Caleb's watching you. He's not just watching his dad. <laughs> He's watching what you're doing. He's watching the men in this church, David. And he's saying, okay, so what about Caleb? What a good name, amen? <laughs> what about him? You think he's watching you, Ben? What about the teenagers that you bring over here and go on the basketball court and play basketball with? You think they're watching you guys? Watching to see how you're going to behave, how you're going to act? <laughs> they're watching you. Are you going to keep a good Christian attitude, good Christian spirit about yourself? Or are you going to lose your mind just because you didn't make the shot? <laughs> I want you to consider this tonight. The lifestyle gives great boldness in the faith, much assurance of the truthfulness of God. It's not just about salvation, fellas, but the truth that living for the Lord gives you great assurance in His Word and in His truth. You see, you live by it now. It's a life and a lifestyle. It's not just that I'm saved and now I'm satisfied. It's that I'm saved and God's word still works. Amen. It goes beyond salvation. It's that I live according to the word of God daily. And what do we see in these men? Well, we see men who are pure. What do we see in these men? Men who have been proved. What do we see in these men? Men who are bold in the faith. What does that mean? That the character of their life demonstrates the power of the Holy Spirit working in their life. That's what we see. It's not just salvation. This faith is a strong faith in Christ, the living word of God. And for that man who lives this life here, this will bring forth eternal words, I think. And Chris and Jim, I just want you to think about this tonight. <laughs> I can't imagine when you guys get to heaven. Can you imagine standing before God? His Lord said unto him, 
Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And he says to you, thou hast been faithful over a few things. <laughs> I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Honorable? Yeah, guys. Big step. Not a man in here that shouldn't qualify. 